Creative Legals, the show that helps you understand the law around property investment. Whether you are a vanilla landlord or doing creative deals. Because what you do not know could cost you. Creative Legals, law for creative deals. Joining us now, your host, Julie Condliffe, the legal diva, successful property investor and specialist property litigation solicitor. Hey, thank you so very much for joining me again today on the Creative Legals platform. Today we discuss rental arrears. Rental arrears are rife, particularly in this current pandemic. According to The Telegraph, there are more than 2,400 eviction cases waiting to be heard. Inevitably, this means some, if not all of them, would be heard next year. 2021. In the interim, more than 300,000 tenants are in rental arrears. Those figures are staggering. So what can landlords do? Landlords have been banned from evicting tenants who are not paying rent. They have power, but they feel powerless. They've got teeth, but they're not allowed to bite. The primary option available to landlords in these circumstances was evicting non-paying tenants. That is no longer an option. That option has been taken away. So these are desperate times for landlords. Desperate times call for desperate actions. I know that. But my advice to you as a fellow landlord and a landlord solicitor is please don't let desperate circumstances encourage you to take desperate actions. Don't let desperate circumstances make you take desperate actions. Desperation is the mother of despair. Desperate actions could lead you down a downward spiral. So please don't take matters into your hands. Do not use unlawful self-help mechanisms to try to recover rent or to evict tenants. It's unlawful. The consequences thereof could be dire and they could leave you in financial dire straits. The measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge. That is why in these challenging times, I want to help you understand the obligations around what you can and cannot do. So today we discuss the 10 things you cannot do. The 10 prohibitions, the 10 commandments. First, do not enter the property without permission, as this could be a breach of an implied or express covenant for quiet enjoyment. Do not unlawfully remove tenants from the property, as this could be an offence under the Protection from Eviction Act. Do not change the locks in the absence of a warrant for possession or in the absence of a certificated court bailiff. Do not turn off, cut off or disconnect utilities. Resist that very real temptation. Do not withhold or withdraw services that you would ordinarily contractually provide. Please do not harass your tenant as this could be an offence under the Harassment Act. Please don't use threatening language or threatening behaviour towards your tenants. Resist the temptation of signing a new tenancy before you've successfully evicted the current one. Do not take advantage of your tenants sexually, 
racially or otherwise. Commandment number 10. Please ensure that any agreement you arrive at with the tenant is properly documented. So do not enter into unwritten contracts. Well, I know that a contract can be binding, whether it's unwritten or not, but evidentially it will be an uphill task should the matter progress to court. So I hope you found the Ten Commandments helpful. The commandments that I've discussed with you today are in three broad categories. One, breach of quiet enjoyment. Two, harassment. Three, unlawful eviction. So I'm going to start by discussing breach of quiet enjoyment. Most tenancy agreements, whether commercial or residential, would include an agreement on the part of the landlord for quiet enjoyment. For the purposes of today, we focus on residential matters, but the same principles apply to commercial properties. Breach of quiet enjoyment is a covenant that is contained in most leases or tenancies. If it's not expressly stated, it will be automatically implied, meaning even if it's not written into your contract, the law will consider your contract as if it had it. The principle of quiet enjoyment ensures that a tenant is free from disturbances and disruptions. Interestingly, the quiet part of quiet enjoyment does not relate to noise. The phrase quiet enjoyment should not be taken per literal meaning. It does not mean that the tenant has the right to enjoy a quiet property. Instead, it means that the tenant has the right to use their property, but without unreasonable or unnecessary interference from their landlord. It must be distinguished from noise nuisance, which I'll discuss in a separate episode. Let's share some examples of breach of quiet enjoyment. For example, a landlord is visiting the property without prior appointment or notice. This could be to demand rent, this could be to carry out inspections, this could be for whatever reason, but the material point here is that the landlord is visiting without a prior appointment. The landlord is visiting without prior notification. That in itself could amount to a breach of quiet enjoyment. There are exceptions, and this could be where the landlord's attendance is reasonable in all the circumstances. This could be because there is an emergency um, and therefore the landlord didn't have the um, ability to give the tenant the requisite prior notification. So they are exceptions. So that's one example of exceptions available. The next example would be where the landlord is harassing the tenant. This could be verbally or in writing but particularly with the aim of trying to force the tenant to leave the property. That is more likely than not to be a breach of quiet enjoyment. The other example could be where the landlord does this indirectly by sending agents or workmen to the property without giving notice. So those are three classic examples of a breach of quiet enjoyment in residential matters. Moving on now to harassment. 
we've got quite a lot of acts here at play so I'm going to try not to get very technical so we've got the protection from harassment act we've got section 26 of the equality act 2010 we've got the housing act 1988 we've got the protection from eviction act 1977 so we've got a lot of acting going on when it comes to um, harassment the key points here are in relation to landlord and tenant matters Pursuant to these statutory instruments, you as a landlord must not do acts likely to interfere with the peace or comfort of a tenant or indeed anyone living at the property. So this could be using threatening language. This could be using language that is of a racially or discriminatory nature. This could be conducting yourself in a manner that could be construed as aggressive. This could be behaviour which is of a violent nature. So quite a lot of things fall under this particular head. Contrary to these statutory instruments, if you persistently withdraw or withhold services for which the tenant needs to be able to live at the property as a home, you could actually be in trouble. You could be construed as having unlawfully evicted a tenant, as having harassed a tenant. So it's important that you do not withhold uh, or withdraw services that the tenant actually needs. By way of example, if you're responsible for the payment of electricity, gas or water supplies, And if these are cut off because the bills have not been paid, then you could be guilty of withdrawing or withholding services. It may be that you have disconnected or caused the supply to be disconnected. Again, you'll be guilty of withdrawing or withholding services. So doing this, knowing, intending or having reasonable cause to believe that your conduct could cause the tenant to leave their home or to stop using part of it or to stop doing the things that they would ordinarily be expected to be able to do. That could amount to a criminal or civil offence. Of course, this is fact sensitive, it's dependent on the whole factual matrix, but if a person is convicted by the magistrates of an offence under the Protection from Eviction Act, they may have to pay a maximum fine of up to £5,000 or be sent to prison for six months or both. If the case goes up to the Crown Court, the punishment could be prison for up to two years or a fine or both. That's why I say what you do not know could cost you. So let he who has ears hear. Forewarned is forearmed. These offences are more detailed in the Protection from Eviction Act 1977. That act also provides that it is unlawful. It's an offence to take someone's home away from them unlawfully. So that leads me naturally to the next point, which is unlawful eviction. Unlawful eviction can be defined as being evicted or excluded from a tenancy without the landlord having obtained a warrant for possession. Broadly speaking, eviction is a four-part process. You serve an eviction notice, you issue court proceedings, you obtain an order for possession, then you obtain a warrant for possession. 
If you evict or exclude a tenant at any stage prior to obtaining a warrant of possession, you could be guilty of illegal eviction. And that is an imprisonable offence. You could also be subjected to a fine in addition to or in the alternative. This could be both significant and severe. Your tenant could be awarded £100 to £300 per night. That's just for one night, one day. Why? That's because the award of damages ranges between £100 and £300. Now, that's just per single person, just one person. So can you imagine if you've got two tenants? Can you imagine if you had three tenants? Can you imagine if you had a whole family that's been unlawfully evicted? Do the maths. That is costly. In calculating the compensation payable, the courts will consider the impact that the illegal eviction has had on the tenant. So that's subjective. It will look at the length of time that the tenant has been homeless. It will look at the nature of alternative accommodation which the evicted person or parties have had to resort to. In looking at the alternative accommodation, there are three tiers. One is street homelessness. Two is sofa surfing. Three is hostel accommodation. All those warrant different levels of damages. There are many other things that the court will look into. Claims for trespass, claims for aggravated damages, claims for special damages, quite a lot. But if you've got time, if you can read the case of Kashmir and Walsh, that's a case where the tenant was awarded £81,000. £81,215. That is staggering. This shows that the financial sanctions of failure to comply with eviction rules could be significant. So pardon me if I was quite harsh today, but I just really wanted to make sure that you understand the significance and the severity of the obligations that we have as landlords. My ultimate desire is to help empower, educate and equip you with all the tools that you need to be able to maximise your investment. So until next time. Thank you for joining us on Creative Legals. Remember, what you do not know could cost you. Stay up to date. Subscribe to our weekly updates using the links below. Remember... What you do not know could cost you. CreativeLegals.com Faster. Smarter. Better. Better.